Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Welcome in everybody, welcome back to a brand new season and it's my favourite time of the year because everybody's oh and oh, everyone's got equal chance at the Super Bowl, everybody's buying all the free agents that they wanted and we're all full of optimism at least until week one rolls around. Um, joining me to review what has been a hectic start to free agency and discuss some of the biggest moves that have gone down so far is Liam. Liam, how you doing buddy? Yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing good, thanks, mate. I'm one of the rare people I think that sometimes enjoys the off season maybe more than half the season, especially when we have those Thursday night games when we're all like, mm, "Do I want to stay up and watch this?" Whereas when it comes to off season, uh, I'm one of these people that's into it and just yeah, reading everything, researching, and uh, posting on a million group chats all these deals. And then my friends are like, "Okay, I don't care that this linebacker signed a two year nine million dollar deal with the Bears. I don't. I don't really care." But uh, yeah, it's been a fun week. So uh, looking forward to talking about it with you. Yeah, it has been a good week. I find it strange that a Chiefs fan enjoys the off-season. You couldn't send a Browns fan enjoying the off-season. <laughs> That's the only time we ever win anything. But let's get into it, mate. Like you say, it's been quite hectic. Uh, we'll do it position by position. I think it's probably the, uh, the logical way to do it. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, quite a bit of movement this off-season. And I suppose headlined by um, quarterbacks going in and out of Las Vegas, I suppose, really. Derek Carr obviously became apparent at the back end of last season that they were indeed going to move on. He obviously quite cleverly made sure that he got to free agency. Uh, he ends up with the New Orleans Saints, who continue to defy cap logic. And his replacement, a good old friend of Josh McDaniels, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, heads across from San Francisco to Las Vegas. So what do you make of those two moves? Um, yeah, a lot of people saying they're similar QBs, and I'd say probably Derek Carr's lows are lower than Jimmy G's after watching him in the division. He has games where any pressure he'll just cripple, whereas Jimmy G will stand in and take a throw. So I think he's probably got a higher floor than Carr, but I'd say Derek Carr's probably a better player in terms of ceiling. But the difference is, I think they save like 40 million dollars over the next two seasons. And when you've got two players that I think the average NFL fan would say are very, very similar. And you can say 40 million and you're a team like the Vegas that aren't rich in terms of ownership. Um, and they've obviously got other areas on defense they need to strengthen. I think the move makes sense. Um, there's a lot of talk that they'll still go up in the draft and get QB. And then I think, okay, young QB behind Jimmy. Jimmy doesn't mind mentoring guys for a year. He's done that before. So, um, yeah, I think it makes sense. In terms of the Saints, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. Obviously, we've got a resident Saints fan. Uh over here at full 10 yards and uh, I kind of just think they should just tank for, for two years and then they'll just be very very good again but they seem to uh to want to relive the glory years every single season so yeah I think Derek Carr's fine for them he's probably going to be the best QB in the division in in that first season but I just don't think they're going to win a playoff game with him as their their QB so yeah I, I prefer it for the Raiders just because I think it's a bit of a re mini reset for till next season but um yeah for the Saints I think they just they think they can win every year which is fun for us but I don't think when you're a Saints fan in week 12 and the record's not great, I just don't think it's going to be a good time watching Derek Carr. 
Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because he's always had a reputation as being sort of one of those quarterbacks that potentially people class as being slightly above average. But if you look at his career record, 63 and 79, um, yeah. obviously highlighted by a brilliant season in 2016. And he's kind of lived off that ever since. Only had one winning season since that, that good season that he had back then. So he certainly needs a reset. And it, it seemed as though that marriage with the Raiders um, was certainly coming to an end. And like you say, for Jimmy G, he's been there, he's done it. You know, he's had a, he's made himself a hell of a career, really, from being a, a sort of backup slash mentor. Um, he's made an awful lot of money, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, he just gets injured too much, doesn't he? That's his problem. That's that's the worry with him. It's like, okay, if we get a rookie that can't play in year one, are they going to have to play in year one? Because Jimmy, yeah. so I'd say if you're a Raiders fan, you're a little bit worried about that. And I don't know if you saw the actual contract, but uh, in terms of Derek Carr, I think he's still got. 60 million guaranteed with like, I think you can get up to 85. I know it says 120, but it's all yeah. fake money at the end. But uh, that's quite a big deal for Derek Carr over two years. No, absolutely, mate. Like you say, it's um, it's a bit of a swing. I mean, he's still only 31. I'm just checking, checking, yeah. uh, checking that out. Yeah, 31. So, I mean, in theory, still got a good, you would like to think, five, six, seven years, you know, based on the way the quarterbacks are going currently. Um, and he is that more sort of pocket style passer. He's not a scrambler as such. So hopefully it works out for him and for the Saints. In terms of other quarterback moves, obviously a lot lower level, but a few that have possibly landed in positions that they could start. It sounds like a bit of a, a Browns who's who of previous quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield <laughs> in Tampa Bay, Jacoby Brissett in Washington. Um, I'll throw Tyler Heineke into the mix in terms of Atlanta, as well as one that potentially could start. They may well obviously go with Desmond Ridder, but we'll see how that works out. But um, a few of the lower level ones, right? Certainly in terms of Mayfield, he's certainly going to get the chance to start and probably be the uh, the heir apparent to Tom Brady, I would suggest, in Tampa. Yeah, and apparently they, they liked him last year as well. Um, when when there was rumours of the Panthers getting rid of him, there was there was talk of them bringing him in. Obviously, he would have been a backup to, um, to Brady, but he was a backup to Stafford originally anyway, and obviously got a chance to play. So yeah, I think it I don't know if it, I would say it makes sense, but the contract's very, very cheap, isn't it? Um, so for them, it's kind of a low-risk move. They, we'll talk about them later, but they've uh, kept a lot of free agents, actually, uh, yeah. and kind of only gotten rid of their older players. So it does feel like they're maybe only going to have one year of this kind of rebuild, get Brady's money off the cap, and then go again. But yeah, Mayfield's deal's like guaranteed for $4 million, basically, and that is very, very cheap. Uh, and Brissett as well. He's $8 million deal for the Commanders. Uh, sorry for the um, yeah for the commanders. I think he'll probably start. <laughs> I know they like Howell apparently, but I think once he gets in there, he's a bit of a kind of the, the type of quarterback is in that's a good professional, and everyone seems to love him, and he can follow the playbook and do everything he's supposed to do. And I think Ron Rivera and uh, Eric Bieniemy will love someone like that. So yeah, I think those two guys will sign, and then all the others for me are kind of more just backup moves in case someone gets injured or if a rookie doesn't play very well. Yeah. The two biggest moves are probably still to be made. So, um, one, we see, we certainly seem to at least have the intention. Um, Aaron Rodgers obviously expressing his desire to play for the New York Jets. Seemingly now just a, a conversation with regards to compensation. However, as always with Aaron Rodgers, you would have thought it would have been sorted by now and it hasn't been. Um, it's really hamstringing both sides, really, in terms of what they can or can't do in this free agency period because they obviously have no idea whether they're going to have a huge quarterback contract on their books or not. Um, so that one's still to be decided. And the one that's gone really quiet, mate, is Lamar Jackson. You would have assumed premier quarterback, previous MVP, still very young. You know, he obviously entered the league at a really young age, so I think he's still only 25 years of age. You would have thought there would have been teams 
knocking down the Baltimore Ravens' door, particularly when they didn't put the exclusive franchise tag on him. Uh, it's very, very quiet, though, mate. Very quiet. Yeah, it is. I think they've obviously played the field well here, haven't they? And kind of spoken to teams and said, if we trade you Lamar, what are you going to pay? No one was going to pay what they wanted. And they've kind of said, mm, okay, maybe he's not as in demand as we thought. And they've risked it. Done the tag that you said where it's two first round picks if you get him. Um, and I think they're basically just saying, we can't negotiate with this guy because obviously the relationship seems to be a little bit. I don't know. They're not really having to go at each other, but the relationship definitely seems to be an issue, doesn't it, in terms of the contract? So for me, I think they're almost saying, right, another team can do all the work, offer you a contract, and then we'll just come in and match. Uh, and then they'll get to keep Lamar. I think that's probably where it's going. Um, I don't know what, what you feel like, but listening to other podcasts as well, it feels like there's definitely some collusion between ownerships. Uh, he obviously wants a fully guaranteed deal because of Watson. Um, then he kind of released that he didn't want a fully guaranteed deal. He just wants a lot of guarantees. Uh, and then the owners are obviously going to kind of push back at that and try and stop quarterbacks just getting fully guaranteed deals. So for me... Um, yeah, I think it's kind of not worked out well for him. And it's a shame because I really like him as a person. And it seems like all players in the league love him as well. Um, so you'd think all these teams would want to get him. But yeah, at the moment, he could basically sign from Wednesday, uh, 5 o'clock our time. And we're sat here on Friday morning and there's been absolutely no news whatsoever. Um, my guess is that some team bit left field might come in, whether that's the Patriots, whether that's the Bucks, we'll see. But my view now is I think Lamar will probably just... Oh, sorry, the Ravens have probably just matched any deal. What, what do you think? Obviously, you're in the division there, so you watch them even more than me. Listen, I'd love for him to end up somewhere other than Baltimore. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, um, you know. Um, but I mean, it just feels as though that the options are kind of dwindling, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, Washington was one that was potentially mentioned. We've already said about Jacoby Brissett going there. I don't think the I don't think the Baker Mayfield arrival potentially stops the Bucks, but that was another one that was potentially talked about. Atlanta was obviously mentioned as well. Um, but again, that seems to have gone quite. They've obviously spent quite big money elsewhere also. Um, it's it, it seemingly, like I said, it's a very strange thing to even be talking about because it just seems an absolute no-brainer that he would just end up back at Baltimore. And it's strange that they've let him get to this situation. We, we kind of debated last year in terms of some of the Brown stuff that I'm involved in as to what kind of impact the Deshaun Watson contract would have um, in terms of future negotiations. And it, it certainly seems to have caused a major stumbling block with the first mm. quarterback round on the cycle, um, you know, to sort of get paid the next time around, um, you know, so... Obviously, the Browns wouldn't have been doing that, I don't think, with any intention of disrupting a rival. Second benefit. Yeah, I'm not going to give them credit for that. Like I say, it was obviously just a bidding war that they were desperate to win. And, you know, let's not go down that rabbit hole again. I think we all know everybody's views on that. Um, you know, but ultimately, it has created a problem for Baltimore. He apparently turned down a three year, 133 million guaranteed deal, apparently, based on one of the tweets that he put out the other day. Um, so yeah, it's um, it seems a saga that ultimately will probably end up with him back at um, at Baltimore. Um, yeah, I think I was listening to another pod as well where it does seem like the most likely outcome if he if no one else offers him a deal because they know he's going back to Baltimore anyway and he has to play on the tag, a lot of people think he'll refuse to play. And what you can do then is you can basically offer him a one year deal and say, okay, you're not going to play on the tag, but if we give you an extra. 10 million to make it 42 million will you play and then he might be like yeah okay and then he'll get to go to free agency 
the year after. That seems like it might be the way where it goes. But yeah, I can't believe after that MVP season that we're sat here a couple of years later, three years later, and saying that they don't want to pay him as much as he deserves. So yeah, it's a strange one. And then in terms of Rodgers, I'm just the opposite. <laughs> I like Lamar. I'm just not a Rodgers fan. So um, yeah, it'll make the Jets better. Um, I think it'll probably make Packers fans happier in the short term. Obviously not in terms of winning, but just getting away from that from that stress and we'll see the, apparently the talking point is how many picks there are um i think the packers are right to hold out cuz they're going to have to pay him a load of money if he retires or if he plays for the jets so for them i, I don't feel i i disagree with people that say there's a pressure on the packers cuz i think they're just like well this our team is already our team do you know what i mean they, they haven't got any money to do much else regardless of what happens with rodgers so i feel like for them they just want extra picks to see if they can 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 rebuild um yeah, and I don't know if you watched the McAfee show. I watched about two minutes and then I had to kind of move on from it. <laughs> yeah, it, it does sort of grain a little bit, doesn't it, the, uh, the <laughs> McAfee show when he's on. Um, to be fair, I, I was thinking in terms of Rodgers, I think it's very short term from the Jets. It's obviously a win-now move. You know, he's 39, he'll be 40 during the season. Um, yes, I know we're talking about Tom Brady's played for another sort of five years on top of that, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like the same <laughs> type of dedication and like you say there's too much drama that comes with it so i think it's a bit of a risky move for the jets to be honest unless like i say they are very confident that they have the pieces to make a real challenge in the next year or two um mm. but they're in a very difficult division aren't they obviously buffalo yeah. miami um you know so lots and lots of them to do they're probably the third worst team or third best team sorry in the division even if he signs, which is crazy to say. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that summed it up for me was when the news came out that they were going to go after Lazard, Cobb, and then Mercedes Lewis <laughs> after years of moaning about your weapons. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just read it and just thought, A, obviously we knew that was going to happen because he's Aaron Rodgers, but B, I was just like, this is because the Jets are already going to be in a in a bit of a problem there with him. But um, yeah, it'll definitely make them better for one year. It would not surprise yeah. me if they won a playoff game with him because he, he yeah. can be one of the best in the league. But yeah, I, I can't see him playing for more than two seasons. No, I agree, mate. I agree. You mentioned Alan Lazar. Let's transition over to the skilled players because I'll classify the skilled positions on offence, mate. It's not receiving a lot of love in general terms. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been a particularly strong sort of free agent class, if you like. Um, you know, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. I mean, there's more news in terms of, you know, people probably being released and not being signed. Obviously, probably highlighted by Ezekiel Elliott finally parting ways with the Cowboys. Um, that's been a contract that they would look back on and, and really regret handing out. It's obviously really had a, a sort of negative impact in terms of the roster building over the last couple of years. And uh, obviously, re-signing Tony Pollard, it almost seemed like inevitable that Zeke would be on the way out, but yeah, it's not been exactly a um, a stellar, newsworthy sort of class in terms of skill positions, mate. I mean, the three wide receivers that have got paid the most money, and we had this little debate in our group chat the other day, were <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers and Alan Lazard, and they've all been paid. I would argue they've probably all been slightly overpaid, but probably because they're just the best of what is a bad bunch. Yeah, and the weird thing is, for most years as well, even though you may think they're overpaid, they haven't been paid that much in terms of like compared to most years. I'm not maybe compared to who you think they are, they're overpaid. But yeah, it, we already knew before going in it was a weak class, um, which is I think why people like Dondre Hopkins are getting quite a lot of talk in terms of the trade market. Um, we saw the Giants trade for a tight end as well because the receiver group kind of wasn't good enough. Um, so yeah, I think the class wasn't great. I did think Jacoby Myers would get more money than that because he is obviously young and got good injury history and he's only ever played with bad quarterbacks really in the last few years. So I think 
when you see his numbers, you think, okay, we'll take a chance on him. But he only got the same deal as Juju. And um, I really like Juju for the Chiefs. Thought it was a great signing. But that was because it was for $3 million. And if he's healthy, he'll probably get $9 million, which is what he got. I don't think it's a great signing for three years because he misses too many games, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, no. That, and the Lazard one, that is just a mates for mates signing. And obviously, don't want to talk about Rodgers again. But, yeah, that, he only got that deal because of who his friend is. I think if he'd signed for another team, it'd have been more of a two-year deal because he didn't play much last year either. He got injured three or four times and missed games last season. Um, so, yeah, for me, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I think it took like two or three days, didn't it, for the first one to come off the board and then all three come off. I almost think some of the smaller deals like Slayton for the Giants, um, Odell Beckham, who's still out there at the moment, I think players like that are going to probably give more impact for next season than most of these three that have they've just signed. But, yeah, the Jacoby Mars deal is good. Um, but the Raiders are just, yeah, they've already got Jacoby Myers in terms of Hunter Renfro. So I don't know why why they chose him. But, um, yeah, sad to see Juju go. But, yeah, I don't think he's worth that money. So Yeah, like I say, that's been a, a bit of a slow one. Um, yeah, we'll wait and see if it picks up in the second sort of wave of free agency, so to speak. But, yeah, certainly, you know, from a running back perspective, Miles Sanders the only one getting anything like a sort of reasonable contract and certainly not big money like we've been used to in the past. He obviously moves to Carolina. Um, we've mentioned the wide receivers, and like I said, I mean, the, the, the highest paid tight end from a free agent perspective is Hayden Hurst, which probably tells you all you need to know because he signed with the Bengals and didn't do an awful lot last year. Um, but certainly, like I said, is the highest paid tight end outside of the, the Darren Warner trade, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, really, really quiet on the on the skill player from, but I suppose that's because people are investing, mate, in terms of the big men on both sides of the ball, certainly from the offensive line perspective. Um, yeah, if I just mentioned Juwan Taylor, Mike McGlinchey and Orlando Brown, the three of those are combining for over 150 million in guarantees just on their contracts alone. Um, you know, and that's obviously where some of the big money has been paid. Um, you know, with those three players in particular. Um, obviously one of them coming to the Chiefs, man. Yeah, one leaving the Chiefs and and one coming to the Chiefs. Um yeah, in terms of if I go deal by deal and start with Juwan Taylor, uh, I'm a bit biased because in the draft process when I was involved with doing um, a draft guide back in the day, uh, I did love Juwan Taylor coming out, so I've got a, I've got a bias for him. Um, but yeah, big deal, got what, was it 60 million guaranteed? So in terms of the percent of his contract being guaranteed money, that is a lot. Uh, it's basically a three-year deal fully guaranteed and the last year is just an extra year for, for 20 million if, if they want to keep him around. He is a right tackle. They're going to move him to the left. Um, I think he's athletic enough to do it. But again, until players do it, you don't really know. So that's going to be an interesting one. But it was just funny that they decided that him moving him from right tackle to left tackle was more viable than <laughs> paying Orlando Brown. And then Orlando Brown gets a very, very cheap deal. Uh, when you look at the the details have come out now, and it's basically almost a two-year, $31.1 million deal, really. They can get rid of him after that um, to play for the Bengals. He's going to play left tackle as well, which means they have to move their left tackle to right tackle, so similar to the Chiefs, but the other way around. So for me, the whole Orlando Brown saga has been really weird. Um, but I think the Bengals have got a great deal out of it. I don't really love him uh, as a Chiefs fan. I don't think he was that good. Um, but yeah, I think the contract the Bengals got him on is great. Uh, Joan Tay's contract I actually like as well. But again, that's all going to depend if he can actually play play uh, play left tackle. And then finally, McGlinchey. Um, I'm not a McGlinchey guy. He's a run blocker as well. So I feel like the Denver Broncos are going to probably run the football a lot if you look at the deals that they've made in free agency. And uh, yeah, I think I read that when Juwan Taylor, sorry, when Juwan Taylor hits free agency next, he'll only be a year older than Mike McGlinchey now. That's how old McGlinchey is to get a deal like this. So yeah, it was a bit of a bit of an odd one for me, but Denver obviously want to protect Russ there. 
Yeah, like I say, I think McGlinchey's pushing, I think he's pushing 29. I think he's certainly 29 once the season yeah. rolls around. Um, so, yeah, like you say, he's uh, he's really cashed in at the back end of his career. Um, like I say, the Orlando Brown one's a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously, like I say, we've got a lot of Bengals fans in the group. They're obviously quite pleased. I think anybody that can potentially protect Joe Burrow is seen <laughs> as a bit of a messiah when it comes to a, a Bengals signing. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm sort of in the same camp as you. I mean, you obviously watched him a lot closer than I did. I know statistically it'll look quite good, but I've never been overly convinced, to be honest. So we'll wait yeah. and see how he, uh, how he does hold up. Um, and like I say, moving across, uh, moving Jonah Williams across to the right-hand side as well. They seem to just be continually searching to try and find the answer on that line, don't they? And they've never seemingly quite found it. So let's see yeah. if this combination uh, does the trick. I think if they'd have paid him the contract he wanted, I'd have been like, this is a terrible move for the Bengals just because of like the problems they've had in the offensive line a lot of time are injuries. Do you know what I mean? And he can still get injured and then you've got no backups. But yeah. the contract they gave him is great. It is really, really good for a left tackle, to be fair. Even if you don't think he's a great left tackle, he's definitely, for me, he's definitely better than Jonah Williams. So I think that it's a good price. But yeah, he's they're going to see games against good pass rushers where he does struggle. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was ironic because his worst three games ever against the Bengals. And then yeah. the Bengals went and signed him. So uh, whether that's just them believing that those three were just because their pass rush is so good and everyone else's is not, well, we'll see. But yeah, Tackle's got paid a lot of money. And I feel like that's probably partly because of the receivers uh, and the skilled players, like you said earlier, being so cheap that teams are just yeah. going to throw money at the, the trenches this year. Yeah, most definitely. And talking to throw money at the trenches, probably the biggest deal in free agency overall, of course. Javon Hargrave was the uh, the big money signing, early doors to the 49ers. Obviously, much sought after the Eagles defensive line, got lots of rave reviews last year. Obviously, instrumental in them getting to the Super Bowl. and They were never going to be able to keep everybody. And like I said, Javon Hargrave is the one that does go. Um, it's a huge money deal, mate. Um, but like I say, in terms of a player, I can't deny he's a very, very good player, but it's a hell of a lot of money to, <laughs> to pay for a defensive tackle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's 30 as well, which is not normally a great age for uh, for defensive linemen in general, to be honest, especially pass rushers rather than run stuffers. Um, but yeah, no, he's a great player. He's had two great seasons in terms of pass rushing. Uh, it's hard to get sacks and pressures from the interior nowadays. Um, and he, yeah, he lived in the quarterback's lap basically. So yeah, very, very good player. But I was just surprised where he went. Obviously, going to the 49ers, a team that have got a lot of people that need to pay uh, on their own book. Obviously, Brandon Ayuk's due a massive deal. Nick Bose is probably going to be the highest paid edge rusher in the NFL, probably by August, to be honest. But if you listen to the reports, so I was surprised that he signed for them because they're a team that normally has like their their cool guys, and then they have about four or five pass rushers that can just rotate in off the edge. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good deal. Obviously, the Eagles fans will be sad to lose him. Uh, but yeah, it's great for this season. But I think in three years, when he's in that third year of that deal, uh, I think his average salary is $21 million a year. I think it could then look a little bit of a bad one, especially for a team like the 49ers who do have a bit of injury history. Um, but yeah, he's a great player. And they've probably got the best defensive line in the NFL now, haven't they, with him? Oh, yeah, no, most definitely. Like you said, they've certainly invested in it. Um and ultimately, like you say, they're, they're obviously going to be, well, they've got a decision to make, haven't they? Whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's Brock Purdy, they're obviously going to be young on on offence in certainly at the, uh, the quarterback position. So, you know, they, they'll obviously want that high-powered defence to 
to do what it's done this year and, and obviously you know keep the points off the board, keep uh, keep them competitive in game. So yeah, he's uh, he's certainly a huge investment, but he's not the only sort of big guy on the defensive line that's got paid. Dalvin Tomlinson, Jermont Jones, Zach Allen. Sheldon Rankins, Marcus Davenport, all of those averaging more than 10 million a year in terms of the deals that they have signed, all of various different lengths. Um, so, yeah, it just seems to be that trend this year, mate, that, like I say, the trenches are really where teams have thrown all the cash, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think one of the things is you've got some guys there as well that are a good age. So, Zach Allen, who signed with the Broncos, is 26. Draymond Jones is 26, who signed with the Seahawks. Uh, you don't normally get those guys. You get the, you do get the Hargraves. You do get the Leonard Floyds who are a little bit older, uh, and maybe Bud Dupree as well. who got released by the Titans, but there's some really, really good young pass rushers as well. Um, so yeah, I, I like most of the deals. I think Draymond Jones one is is, is really good. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, Tomlinson. That's not just because you're a Browns fan, but uh, that was uh, that was a lot of money for me. And if you look at the names, we'll talk about people available at the end. But in this position group, was actually starters left as well. Um, so it just proves that it was a good class for, for, for pass rushers and for run stuffers this year. Yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. I think you know, just in terms of the Tomlinson one, I think it's just a position the Browns are absolutely desperate to get some experience. Yeah. That they, they've really undervalued defensive tackle for the last three or four years. They've tried to address it through the draft, but have only picked sort of in the lower rounds generally, and they just haven't found anybody to to come in. And as good as they've been on the edges, they've just been so soft in the middle. So I wasn't <laughs> surprised. Oh, sorry. What's your views on um, uh, on Fletcher Cox as well? By the way, he came back to the Eagles, ten million dollars. That's quite a lot for someone. He wasn't amazing last year. Do you think that's a bit of a not a panic? But is that because they've lost the other guys on the line and they've they've only re-signed Graham and, and Fletcher Cox? Or you think that's more of a like you've been an Eagle for so long? Let's just give you a, a nice payday. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's, it's possibly a little bit of both, isn't it? I think, like you say, there are some quality operators that were are still left and were left at the time. I think he's obviously been a player that over the years has, has obviously had excellent production. He's obviously declined. He's, he's getting on in age now. What is he now? 32, 33, something like that. Um, you know, so he's he's certainly at the back end of his career. Um, you know, but he, he was obviously part of, and, th and this will be the key thing for the Eagles. Yes, they've lost Hargrave, as we've talked about, and they've lost a few others. But the reason that they were so good on that line last year was the amount of depth that they got. If they want Fletcher Cox to play a significant role, then it's probably not a good signing. If he's part of a rotation, then obviously, you know, they're in business. However, with that being said, ten million for a rotational piece is a lot to pay. So like you say, maybe part of that is a little bit of a thank you for his his years of service and all the rest of it. Um but yeah, like I said, they were they were always gonna bring some of that line back. Um but yeah, like you say, I think if they could have kept Hargrave, they'd obviously probably prioritise that. But can, you know, when you look at the contract that he signed, they were just they were never playing in that area, were they? And although he's only re-signed with um, Washington, one name that we haven't talked about in terms of defensive line, Deron Payne. Yeah. My oh my, did that man get the book? <laughs> what was it? Ninety million over four years, I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's the highest paid um, player from this class now, so it's 22 and a half, and his guarantees as well, 55, which is obviously more than, than Hargraves. Yeah, I, I saw a funny post from an Eagles writer, uh, sorry, from a 49ers writer saying that um, uh, Javon Hargraves got Deron Payne to thank for, <laughs> for such a big amount of money because obviously that kind of set the deal, uh, set the market. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like Payne, I just don't know what the commanders are doing. I spoke about it on, on Twitter with... Uh, Jack Brendel, who's um, a draft analyst, and we were talking about it, and they've got so much money on the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, and I was listening to the Athletic Show, and they were saying, okay, does this mean they're probably not going to pay Chase Young? Obviously, he's been a bit disappointing, been injured. 
maybe not the best locker room guy from what you hear. Um, so there's a chance maybe they just go with the two defensive tackles and let the edges walk. But um, yeah, it, it's a great deal for him. I just don't know why a team that are not in contention would pay two defensive linemen. I think it was 45 million this year that they're on the cap for their two starting defensive tackles. So yeah, great deal for him, but I'm not sure about the, the commander's point of view. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Let's move a little bit further back in the in the defensive front seven. Uh, you said earlier you love talking about these little deals that linebackers have signed. So let's talk linebackers, mate. The <laughs> uh, the Chicago Bears decided not to pay one of the best linebackers last season and got rid of Raquan Smith and essentially just used all that money they could have used to re-sign him to bring in a couple of replacements in terms of <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds and uh, TJ Edwards. Um, I would suggest, mate, it's a little bit of a step backwards. Yeah, if they'd have just done TJ Edwards, I'd have been like, okay, I can see that point because he was really good for Philadelphia last year. And obviously the deal's quite cheap for a starting linebacker. Uh, and then an hour later, <laughs> the news dropped about the the Edmonds deal. And I'm not really a, an Edmonds fan personally. Um, just from obviously when you watch the Chiefs play them so much, you just can't cover Travis Kelsey. I know no one can, but I've seen a lot of players do a better job than him. <laughs> so I think for me, he's a bit more of a thumper rather than a, someone who can cover. So it's a lot of money to pay someone to to go down in the box and hit people. I think it's 18 million a year average he got, 42 guaranteed, whereas Rokon Smith got 20 average, so he did get more, but only 45 guaranteed across that deal. So it's, it's very similar deals. I think for me, Ryan Poles has had a good start to his career, but then he just made these odd moves. Uh, and I don't think the Rokon Smith has, trades a bad deal because they got obviously a pick out of it. Um, and I think that's the part that people are missing because they get two linebackers that can play together and they get a pick where they can replenish somewhere else. However, I still don't think they should have done the Tremaine Edmonds deal because that's a lot of money when you're not a very good team to pay to pay a linebacker. Um, and I was listening to a beat report from the, the Bears saying the problem is they've still got no defensive tackles. So it doesn't matter how good your linebacker is. If you've got no one in front of them, people are still going to gash you for four, five, six yards of carry. Um, so yeah, for me, not a great deal. I do like TJ Edwards, but... I think the Edmonds deal was was poor. Did you uh, did you think he would get that much money? Because um, he's not he wasn't even the best linebacker on his own team last season. Yeah, I, I thought it was a big overpay. He's obviously young. He's still only twenty four. Obviously very young when he entered the league. So I mean, he's obviously got that on his side. But like you say, I mean, for me, it was just a. I thought it was an overpay based on needs elsewhere as much as anything else as well. You know, the Bears have got a lot of holes, and I don't think, as you say, sort of addressing the linebacker position would have been the the instant priority. Um, you know, like you know, we just mentioned about how soft the Browns were in the middle last year, and as you say, it doesn't matter how good your linebackers are, if if all of a sudden the running backs five yards in the backfield before your <laughs> linebacker sees him, it's almost irrelevant anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that in terms of the size of the contract, and as I say, you still look at the Bears in terms of from the offensive side of the ball. I know they've obviously picked up DJ Moore as part of the trade for the number one overall pick, and that's obviously an improvement because they had absolutely nobody in terms of catching the ball last year you know but there's still a lot that needs to be done i know a lot of people have sort of sneakily said with what's going on in green bay and the amount of resources that they've got that you know chicago could be a bit of a sleeper team this year to to cause a few surprises i just think there's still an awful long way away in terms of the amount of talent that they need personally and i certainly wouldn't have been splashing 72 million on a uh on a linebacker that's for sure mate that's for yeah sure. no, yeah I, definitely after they did a really good deal with tj edwards as well i think it was what 
couple of years, seven only seven point nine million guaranteed. I just think that's such a clever deal. He can just be that linebacker you need to sit in the middle, and then you can go around and build the rest of the team. Then they just did another linebacker an hour after. I don't think that made sense, but um, yeah, it's a weird year as well because if you look at the list, this is one of the strongest position groups in free agency. Um, and there's been some really good players signed. Obviously, Matt Milano got on a bit of an extension. Jermaine Pratt to the Bengals is a good one. Um, like I said, TJ Edwards was good. Quincy Williams to the Jets was really good. Kazia White to the Cardinals was good. So, yeah, there was other linebackers that you could add on on, on a much cheaper deal um, for short term. But, yeah, the Bears decided to go and spend some of that cap space they had. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, there's still a few left as well, isn't there, that could potentially come in and, uh, yeah. and do a bit of a job as well. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a strange one, a bit of a strange one, that's for sure. Uh, secondary positions, mate, um, probably highlighted, I guess, by um, the the two Bengals safeties disappearing. So, it's been rumoured that this could have been the case. Uh, obviously, the big one, Jesse Bates, getting $64 million over four years with Atlanta. Uh, the double whammy with obviously Von Bell leaving also, so it leaves a big hole in the secondary for the Bengals. But Jesse Bates, um, obviously being on the tag for the last year or two, um, was always likely to move on. And, and Atlanta won the bidding war, mate. So I think there was a few people that would have been suitors for him, but it was a big contract for a safety. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's not in terms of APY. It's not far behind Edmonds. It's like sixteen, nearly sixteen and a half million, isn't it? So. Um, yeah, big deal for him. He's only 26, which is good. Again, a lot of these safeties on the list are, are 30, 29, 28. He's just turned 26, so um, he's a good age. Very, very good player. Uh, similar to what I said about the Commanders and Bears, I guess, that to go so heavy on such a star player now when you're probably not going to be in contention is a bit of a odd one. But I'm much happier when it's in the secondary uh, or it's a right wide receiver than I am a linebacker. So, yeah, I think he's a good player. He got paid more than I thought. I don't know what you thought, but he got paid more than I thought, especially when you compare it to to Von Bell. He is better than Von Bell, but Von Bell got seven and a half a year on average um, to sign for the Panthers, and then Jesse Bates gets 16. Yeah, I, I actually thought the Browns might be one of the people that were interested in him, uh, to be honest. I thought, like I say, as much as anything, weakening a divisional rival um, at the yeah. same time would have been a, an angle that they would have looked at and been interested in. If you look at what the Browns were able to do, obviously bringing in Thornhill, um, obviously from the Chiefs, at a much lower price. You know, Thornhill's only 27 himself. Um, you know, I think Jesse Bates is obviously a better player, but I mean, you know, is, is he a nine million a year better player? I'm not sure he's that much better. Um, yeah, especially over the years as well, because Bates' deal is guaranteed for longer as well. So you've got a, if if he gets injured or whatever, you've got another risk, whereas Thornhill's only a couple of years guaranteed, isn't he? So Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So not surprised that he's gone, um, but like you say, probably a little bit surprised with how much he's been able to get. I think uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson will be rubbing his hands together <laughs> and uh, probably a reason yeah. why he's still on the, uh, the market. Probably, arguably, we'll talk about him a little bit, one of the best ones that's still available but we'll go through a few of those in a minute just in terms of some other moves patrick peterson moving into pittsburgh to replace cam sutton who's gone to detroit um any others in the secondary mate that took your eye um only yeah so two um we're talking about some good deals in a minute but jamal dean going back to the bucks um was going to be one of mine when we do good good deals and bad deals but yeah more of a surprise really because i felt like they were going to do a bit of a rebuild and then they've just paid another corner but when you see he only gets 13 a year and Jesse Bates gets 16. I think that's a really, really good deal. And then obviously the main one for me is probably Jalen Ramsey being traded from the, the Rams to the Dolphins only for a third round pick. They guarantee the rest of his deal. So he's basically on a two-year, $43 million deal, $20 million in year one, $23 million in year two. Um, 
people said he wasn't great last year. I still think he was good. He just they play him in a different role. I think now he gets to go back into a defense that fits him a bit better, and he doesn't have to play slot corner the whole time. Uh, I think he'll be great for them. And the compensation was only a third. So yeah, those two for me, Jamel Dean and Ramsey, stand out. Yeah, no, agreed. Like so, I mean, the treasure how much has happened. I forgot about Jalen Ramsey until you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, Only that, a third rounder. That was what surprised me. I thought it'd be at least a second. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I say this every off season. I am amazed that there are not more players traded for <laughs> mid round and lower round picks. It just always surprises me because when everyone does drop, you sort of sit there and you think that's a really mm. good price that you've just paid there. And <laughs> it's, you know, I just think there's so much more that teams could do. I know people love draft capital and, you know, I know some people want as many picks as they can, but yeah. I think when you've got a proven commodity that's there and available for a mid to late round pick, sometimes I think it's worthwhile putting the uh, putting the trigger. Um, we've talked a little bit, Matt, about some of your favourite moves and what have you. Um, is there anybody that we haven't talked about yet that you want to call out in terms of what you think has been a really good move or favourite move so far? Yeah, so we just spoke about him. Jamal Dean was probably my favourite because he is really, really good. He's their best corner. They've actually got two good corners now for a team that may be trying to rebuild, so I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but yeah, I couldn't be on a Browns podcast and not talk about one of my favourite players. Um, Okoronkwo uh, signing a three-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. I think it was 19 million, only 12 and a half guaranteed. That is very, very good. Uh, he's a very, very good player. Um, he fits the scheme that you're going to play with Schwartz well. Uh, and Miles Garrett will enjoy having someone else who can actually <laughs> rush the passer and maybe isn't a bit of a crazy uh, player in the locker room like Javon Clowney was last year. So I think Okoronkwo for me was uh, was one that I wanted to call out as being a very, very good deal by your team. Yeah, no, listen, I, I agree, mate. I don't want to sound too optimistic and too much of a homer, but yeah, I think like you say, in terms of value for money, if you again, you look at the sort of statistics in terms of his sort of pass rush win rate and all of those kind of good things, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the sack numbers that jump off the page, which, you know, a casual fan would probably look at and think, oh, his production's not that great. But when you actually get into the detail of it, he's very, very good at, at his pass rush production. I think he was in the top sort of five, I want to say, last year in terms of the NFL. Could be wrong yeah. on that, so you know, please don't quote me on it. But I'm pretty sure he was high up there. Um, so, like you say, to get that kind of level of production for that kind of price, I think he's a really good deal in terms of what the Browns have been able to do there. And as you say, they were absolutely desperate for somebody um, to be the running mate to Miles Garrett after the, the you know, I wouldn't say that the Clowney experiment failed. I think he was reasonably quite successful in year one, but certainly bringing him back, it just didn't work at all. In in year two, lots of injuries, and then, like you say, lots of um, off the field distractions, um, yeah. you know, which obviously uh, detracted from what he was actually able to do on the field, wasn't the same? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then a couple of us were just Arden Key and uh, on a way new two X 49ers pass rushers. Just always good to get extra pass rushers for cheap and not pay this massive amount of money for, for average players. So, yeah, those two were, were two good ones. And then I think the Darren Waller trade was a, was a, a fun one for me. So, yeah. Plenty of good deals, frankly. Not all teams spent money on uh, linebackers. So. <laughs> no, I'd agree, Matt. I, I agree with Arden Keel. I thought that was another good one, um, one that I would have been interested in um, in terms of for my team. So, yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, you know, like you said, there's still plenty of value out there. That's the intriguing thing with this. On the flip side, before we look at some of those players that are still left, um, what would you say has been the sort of biggest surprise or the most disappointing move? I know with some of these, we won't know until further on down the line, I guess, but just based on gut instinct, you know, what would you say has been a big sort of overpay or, or a big mistake that teams have made? Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Mike McGlinchey deal for the Broncos. Um, 
I'm not a big fan of his as a player, to be honest. He's like six foot nine, and <laughs> Russell Wilson's going to struggle to see over him more than he is over anyone else. So, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that one. The Edmonds one is bad, but I don't think, I still think because he's young and can progress and he fits the timeline, that it's not as bad. And then the, the other one we didn't talk about actually um, is Daniel Jones going back to the Giants. I know it wasn't in free agency because it happened before that, but uh, yeah, I just don't think you should pay a quarterback who isn't very good. 82 million dollars guaranteed so yeah those two that um stand out for me what about you yeah you you took the words out of my mouth mate i was uh i was hoping you were going to mention it because that was the one i was absolutely going to mention <laughs> in terms of daniel jones i just think when you look at that 40 million a year on average like you said i know it's all about the guaranteed money ultimately and there'll be ways they can get out of that contract but it just feels as though for a roster that's trending in the right direction generally, it just feels like a big hamstring that you're just putting around yourself. He's not that good. He's he's had what probably a handful of reasonable games, and you know I suppose Daniel Jones did what a lot of players have done. Probably played some of his best football when it came to renewing his contract. Although with that being said, I don't think it was particularly that impressive to earn the kind of money that he has done. I think if you look at some of the quarterbacks that have gone. Elsewhere, you know, we mentioned somebody like Jacoby Brissett of Washington. I think that they've had equally as good quarterback play with Jacoby Brissett for a year or two, to be honest. You know, and it would have cost them pennies in comparison to what they're actually paying Daniel Jones. I think that that's the one for me that really stands out as a as a massive overpay. Um, I know they ended up tagging Saquon yeah. Barkley, and they could have tagged Daniel Jones for a year, worst case scenario, and and said go and prove it again. You know, I'm sure they could have. Resign Saquon. We've talked about how quiet the running back market's been. I'm sure they could have got a one year, like you say, I said earlier, they could have paid him a one year, ten or eleven million dollar deal and brought him back. I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the tag for Jones is the way to go. I think it's what the tag's made for, isn't it? Do it again, and then we can. We're happy to give you something, and it gives us an extra year to sort some assets out. But they just obviously became obsessed with. Um, probably wanting to keep Barkley, I would say. And uh, the owners apparently love Daniel Jones. So I think that's kind of what happened, yeah. And then, yeah, aside from that, there's not loads of bad deals. There's loads of one-year deals. And I just think if you're anyone that gets angry about a one-year deal, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> it's not going to make any difference. Unless you're a contender and you sign a, a terrible player to a one-year deal that impacts you, I just don't think it matters for these other teams. So, yeah, I think overall, uh, most teams have been pretty smart in free agency. Yeah, no, I agree. I think overall, like I said, there's obviously been a few big ones as we've talked about, but I think overall, like I said, going into it, it felt like a, not the greatest year to be desperate for free agents, certainly in certain positions. I don't think it's been a particularly stellar group of names, but like you said, I think the business that has been done generally has been pretty solid. There's still plenty out there, though, mate. As we said, I think the biggest name is probably Chauncey Gardner-Johnson um, in terms of certainly for an impact player to come in and probably start straight away for a team. So he's still out there. Um, there's lots and lots of others, as we said earlier. Mike Gazicki, I think he's a really good tight end for somebody. Um, you know, obviously probably suffered a little bit in terms of a change of scheme last year in Miami. But, you know, he, you know, if he can get into a proper sort of receiving tight end role, um, I think he's still a good player. We mentioned Jadevian Clowney. He'll, he'll no doubt end up somewhere again as a team. Looks for a pass rusher. Um, you've got Shaquille Griffin in terms of cornerback. Um, I had I had I did have Darius Slayton down on the list last night when we put this rundown together <laughs> um, until he re-signed. So there are a few sort of wide receivers out there. John Johnson, um, obviously the safety release from the Browns, who was a massive free agent sort of coup, if you like, two years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly hasn't worked out at Cleveland, but I'm sure that he'll have plenty of suitors. So still plenty of business to be done, mate. What uh, 
what tickles your fancy and who do you see sort of ending up somewhere? Odell Beckham Jr. just tickles my fancy. It's been like this story for about five years for me. He's one of my favourite players ever. Uh, I don't know. Just There's a lot of rumours about Hopkins going to the Cowboys now, but before that, I would have said that Jerry Jones spending money on a injury-prone old wide receiver with massive social media following is very Cowboys, but it seems like they also want Hopkins. So, yeah, I feel like the Chiefs and Cowboys are probably going to fight it out, and one of them's probably going to get one. One of them might get the other. Um I'm happy with either as a Chiefs fan because I do love I'd love Odell and obviously it's obvious that Hopkins is better than Odell so either way I think it works so yeah that's one that I'm interested in he did tweet apparently that people are like basically the joke that he made was people are offering ter- like small amounts of money for a good player so it feel he obviously isn't getting the contracts that that he thought he would get so um, that intrigues me I think there's good pass rushers out there uh, I think Leonard Floyd. Um, got released by the Rams is a really, really good one. I don't know where he's going to go. I think it's going to be a contender. Um, I don't think he's a sort of player, especially with his injury history. He hasn't been injured the last two seasons, but before that he was. I don't think he's going to go to a, a rebuilding team because I just think he, he's kind of earned money now and he's not quite top tier. He's age 31, so I feel like he'll go to uh, to a contender. Um, Yannick Ngokwe as well, very, very good pass rusher. I feel like he'll go to a contender. He seems to always rock up on a on a good team opposite another good pass rusher. He's very clever with that in terms of the, the people he signs for. And then the other, the other two, you mentioned one of them. So Gasicki is an interesting one. I feel like a team that passes the ball a lot should sign him because I think maybe last year his stock's gone too far down now and you can probably get quite a cheap deal. And then the other one was um, another tight end, Dalton Schultz. I think he could still be a cowboy. They obviously love him there. Um, but I am very, very surprised that Schultz is still a free agent because I think he fits most teams around the league. So he's a much better blocker, isn't he, than uh, than Mike yeah. Sicky? Yeah, no, definitely. Like you say, it's a bit of a strange one that he's there, particularly, like I say, not a particularly strong class. Um, so, yeah, you'd have thought that uh, probably the Premier one would have been gobbled up. Um, I'm also interested to see where Taylor Rapp ends up. He seems to have a lot of suitors, good coverage, safety. Um, yeah. Seems to have had a number of different visits with different teams. Um, so I think he'll obviously end up somewhere. Mikael Hardman's always an intriguing one. I know you probably find him frustrating as a Chiefs fan, but obviously <laughs> from a neutral's perspective, it's always good to have speed and that deep threat, um, even though his production, you know, considering the offence he plays in and the quarterback, um, I suppose it's difficult when you've got Travis Kelsey catching a thousand balls a year or whatever he does. So <laughs> It could so, be yeah. um it could be a brown, couldn't he? I saw uh, I saw one Thornhill trying to recruit him. Obviously, they were the same draft class, they've been in the league together, they're friends. Um that would be an interesting fit. You guys need a bit of sp- I know you've got Schwartz, but you need a bit of speed in terms of someone who's a bit more of a receiver. No, no, definitely, mate. I certainly wouldn't be against it. Um and based on what we've seen so far, like I say, I think he'd be relatively cheap. I'll say relatively cheap because who knows? But I think, you know, based on where we are at the minute, you know, I would imagine that you'll be getting him and it'll probably be a you know a one or two year sort of prove it kind of deal, and I think it would be a relatively cheap bit of business for some team to do that. Um, so yeah, plenty still to be done, um, and obviously depending on what happens with the two quarterbacks that we mentioned right at the start, it could fundamentally change four teams' free agency periods, couldn't it? Because uh, all of a sudden, Green Bay and Baltimore could be in complete uh, disarray and rebuilt. Well, I say disarray. I think like I, said, I think Green Bay have accepted it as we said earlier, mate, haven't they? But uh, yeah. But certainly, there'll be plenty of work to do um, for those two teams should those quarterback moves happen. Yeah, it's um, no surprise those are the two teams that have spent the least <laughs> because yeah. they just sat there thinking, what are we going to do? But yeah, once they know what they're going to do, Ravens are going to have to go get a wide receiver and or a tight end. 
Um, and I think Green Bay are probably going to want to strengthen their receiving options as well because they want Jordan Love to have someone to to throw to. So yeah, it'd be interesting once those quarterbacks settle down. I think we'll see some like a, almost a third wave where someone one of those two teams probably overpays for someone. Maybe that's what Odell's waiting for. We'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. As always with free agency, like I said, the first wave always attracts plenty of headlines. It's often the business that can be done in the second and third wave. And obviously once the draft has landed and people know exactly what they've got to play with, um, so there'll still be plenty of opportunities for these guys that are yet to be signed to end up on a roster somewhere. Um, we have had some written articles this week from Sam, who's been looking at all the moves in free agency, so make sure you check out full10yards.co.uk if you prefer to get your stuff in written formats. Um, so as we're doing a good job covering all the big moves that have gone down, um, we'll no doubt be back building up towards the draft. Um, I know, Liam, you've obviously started a series of podcasts this week as well. If you want to give that a bit of a plug, mate, in terms of some draft coverage. Yeah, so um, spoke to uh, spoke to Josh and my podcast Go for Two, which is part of the network, kind of doing a joint collab really because um, we haven't got a college podcast going on at the moment at Full Ten Yards. So me and Lee Wakefield, who ironically used to be part of <laughs> Full Ten Yards, we're doing a joint podcast that I host on my feed, and we're also going to put it into this feed um, for the Full Ten Yards. It should go out today. Actually, I've sent Josh the file. Um, and we're just going to break it down every week. Lee's an expert in terms of draft coverage. Uh, I work for an analytics company that cover the draft as well. So we kind of, one person watches loads of tape, one person sees the numbers and we kind of discuss it. So yeah, it should be good. It'll come out every Thursday uh, on my feed and come out probably every Friday on the, the full 10 yards feed. So yeah, it should be good. And we'll go through all the way to the week after the draft where we grade and, and moan about picks and and try and not to talk about the Chiefs and Chargers too much because um, <laughs> we don't, don't want to do that. So. <laughs> Now, looking forward to mate. Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, as you say, certainly Lee knows his stuff. Um, so great to hear him back behind the mic as well. Um, like I say, we'll be back certainly around draft time as well. Um, we obviously get the full 10 yards perspective on things. It's been great to get the season up and running. Thanks to Liam for joining me today. We will see you all soon on the full 10 yards NFL podcast. <laughs>